Turn to Ephesians, if you would, chapter 3. Take a look up on the screen. There it is. I don't know how to fix that. I might have to get a new one. Ephesians chapter 3. I've got my notes here, so no need to worry. Uh, We're going to finish out chapter 3, move into chapter 4. Still some beautiful, beautiful good things in here. And uh, I hope it's a blessing to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's do ask his blessings. Heavenly Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, for uh, your love and your grace and your mercy on us all. We thank you, God, uh, for, for never, ever failing us, never turning your back on us, never walking away from us. We just thank you, God, for always being there to lead us and to guide us, to have mercy on us. And we thank you, God, for that mercy and for that love. Father, we try. We try our best every day to live for you, to serve you, to do what's right. But Lord, there's always going to be failure from us. And Lord, when it comes, we often wonder, God, why why do you love us? Why Why do you still put up with us? And Lord, that's what that love really is. That's the kind of love, Father, that I want to have uh, toward all the people uh, that I encounter in life. The people that I I am supposed to love with all my heart. The people, God, that I have a problem loving because of things they've done to me or to my family or to my church. Uh, the, The love that I'm supposed to have even for my enemies that hate me. And are trying to destroy us. Father, help me to love people the way you love them. And uh, help us all, Lord, with that kind of love. We could use a lot more of it. So, Lord, give us grace today. Thank you for your word and what it's going to say to us. And, and Father, we thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And amen. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 3. Um, hey, Bob. Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, and um, starting in verse 19, if you would look there, let me back up just a, a hair or two. Uh, we spent some time, uh, starting in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. There's, there's more salvation by faith, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And if anybody, and I, I've heard of this, people say, uh, nowhere in the Bible does it say, you know, you ask Jesus into your heart. Uh, excuse me, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Okay, uh, excuse me. Um, uh, for with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's the heart. That four-chambered heart surrounded by a sea of glass, clear as crystal, the 24 elders surrounding it, your ribs, and so on. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, and then, here's where our our fourth dimension teaching came in, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Okay, your four directions, and from that we just went and tried to understand the fourth dimension as much as we could. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God, now unto him, that is, and here, here's, where, here's where our first part of our teaching is going to be tonight. Now unto him 
that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end amen now obviously when he talks about world without end he's he's not referring to the current one that we live on um, unless you want to just kind of see the new earth as sort of like a rebirth of this old earth what happens when we were born again the old man passes away and the new man takes control takes over so you can kind of see it that way. But anyway, it's referring to the, the, the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem uh, coming down from heaven. God himself. Finally, God the Father for the first time is able now to show his face to his people and we won't explode. Okay, we won't die. No, nothing like that. God's going to do that for us. Now he mentions here. Um, to him, verse 20, that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Uh, the last time we were talking about this, I mentioned um, the law of attraction in, in um, that, that witchcraft magic that is in all of these um, name it, claim it, um, think and grow rich type of gospel where you you if you say positive things then you are speaking positive things to yourself if you say negative things then you are speaking negative things to yourself or to someone else uh, which then severely limits what these people can and cannot preach Joel Osteen can never preach a sermon on hell he can never preach a sermon uh, naming sins. He can never uh, preach a sermon uh, warning people, being a watchman on the wall and warning them that the sword is coming. He can never preach any of those things. He is so limited on what he can preach by, because of his own mindset that if he speaks anything negative, then it will be fall those people and you know, some people ask me, do you think people like that really believe uh, what they're teaching? And so I think they do. I think, I think uh, Paul, what is, let's see, Paul said something about that. Um, th he said that they are deceiving and are themselves deceived, something like that. They, they are deceived themselves and then they go out deceiving other people into believing that if you're unhealthy and uh, you're ready to die it is because you think and speak negative things we had a lady that followed our ministry and I I'm assuming she's now gone on to be with the Lord um, she would call here every now and then and bless her heart I she just called needed encouragement all the time and um, she had uh, some kind of lung disease and she called me one time and said that she goes to this little Bible study group and a couple of her friends told her, uh, if you would just 
confess this to be gone in Jesus' name and proclaim it in faith to be gone, then God would remove this disease from you. And then after a while, they were telling her, the reason why you are still sick is because you don't have enough faith for God to take this away from you. I have heard that. Oh, I've heard that for years. I've heard that from people that they just don't have enough faith. It is your fault that you're sick. And, and she would call me crying. And I would, I would, I would give her scriptures and, and try to encourage her with the word of God and so on. And I said, you know what? These people who say they're your friends, I don't believe them. I don't think they're your friends. I, I, think, I think that they're using you as a test model to see whether it works or not. And if you can proclaim this sickness to be gone and then live through it, well then, that proves they were right. But then also, if you die from this, that will also prove that they were right because they would say, you didn't speak p positive things into this and now you have to, you're dead now. You, she's dead, she, she died because she didn't have enough faith to be healed. And uh, I like to remind people that the, the father of that in Christianity was a man by the name of Finnis Dake. And Dake, uh, he's, there's a whole Bible, there's a, you can go to just about any Bible bookstore and find a Dake's annotated reference Bible. It's got Finnis Dake's notes all in it. He claims that God downloaded a majority of the Bible into his brain and he could quote whole books of it if he wanted to. He claims that he has uh, the, the right revelations about all kinds of stuff and he believes in what's called repeated regeneration. Finnis Dake says that if you, are, if you are saved and you sin, you have lost your salvation right then and right there, and you are in danger of going to hell. Now, if you repent and God forgives you, then you are now reestablished and are okay with God. But then if you repeat the sin, you are now lost again. And you need to be regenerated again. It's called repeated regeneration for a reason. And Dake said that people who die of diseases, Christians who die of diseases, they are doing that, and in doing that, they're honoring Satan. They are giving praise to the devil because God clearly wants everybody who are saints to die as Moses did in his full life force, 120 years old, no disease, nothing wrong. He just sat down and his breath ended and he, he died that way. That, that's, that's what he said is, is the way everybody who is a real Christian should die. And he equated healing with salvation. If you are healed, then God, you are saved. If you are sick, you are giving praise to Satan and you are not saved. You've lost your salvation. You need to repent and you need to believe. Now, here's the funny thing. Dake died of Parkinson's disease. It takes years to die from Parkinson's disease. Once you find out you've got it, once, once Finistake found out he had Parkinson's disease, he had two to three years to profess it gone and make it go away. The last six months of your life, you are in horrendous pain. You have to be on heavy pain meds just to live. 
my former preacher here, Preacher Golf, that he died a few years ago of Parkinson's disease. And it was horrible, terrible. So he died of that. And I think God did that on purpose to show everybody it doesn't work. Everything he said was a lie because he couldn't even get rid of his own disease, but he's expecting you to do it as well. And so here's the Bible telling you that God is so good to you that he is able to think way higher than you can think, think way farther in the future than you can think. He is able to know more about what you need than you know about what you need. And when it comes to either trusting me or trusting God, I will say trust God all the time and me almost never. I would say that to myself. I don't trust, and God has shown me this, I mean, through, through, through life, I have learned that the things that I thought that I needed or the things that I wanted or the things that would do me the most good and I prayed for those things, God did not do those things for me. He did something better for me. Um, I'll give you one example. Uh, I had a guy that I always had a soft heart for, and I knew better than to do this. But he was, he was in the painting and drywall business like I used to be, and he asked me if he could use my credit account at a paint store to buy paint to do this job. He was going to get paid real well and he would pay me right back. I knew better than to do it. But I did it. I felt, I felt sorry for him, so I did it. And um, it, when I checked with the paint store a month later, uh, I found out that he had charged over $500 worth of stuff to my account. And it wasn't all paint. And so I called him and I said... Uh, you know, I got a bill now for $500, and I said, I need the money to pay this bill off. He said, uh, well, we're still working on the job. We'll get it done soon. Okay. And next week, I didn't hear from him. Week after that, I called him. I kept calling him. Finally, finally, he, had, he, he, he admitted it. He said, I, I'm sorry. He said, I don't have any money. He said, I lost my shirt on that job. I said, no, that was my shirt you lost. Okay, you lost my shirt on that job. And I said, are you ever going to pay me? He said, I, I don't know. I don't. And, and so I'm praying. I'm praying, God, make him pay me. God, make him pay me. God, make him pay me. And I'm looking in the scriptures for answers from God. And I get to, I think it's Psalm 37. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again. And I went, that's not funny. <laughs> but it was true. Not only has he never paid me, I, I saw his mom at a church function that his mom and my mom were at at the same time. And she came to me and she said, how come you did my son so dirty? How come I mean, you, you just, and she's, apparently he told her that I cheated him out of a bunch of, a bunch of, and I'm going, oh, no, no. And I said, ma'am, I am not going to have this conversation with you here. I'm not going to do it. Uh, whatever is, is going on, that's between me and him. And I'm just going to leave it at that. And I turned around and walked away from her. God answered my prayer 
in a way that I needed it to be answered. I needed to learn that wicked people will borrow and they won't pay it back. Don't loan it to wicked people. Okay? And, um, and other lessons beyond that. But I needed that answered that way. And God knew that. And so, did God tell me no? No. Did God punish me? No. He just taught me a lesson in, in, that, in that situation. So I was asking God to make him pay me. God had a better plan in mind for that. So in that case, verse 20 again, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, you always, when you pray... You always trust God. Always. You trust God even when it doesn't, even if you're the Shunammite woman and you're holding your dead son. You trust God. You trust God when you are uh, Gehazi and you see the enemy surrounding you with chariots and horses and you think you're about to be dead. You trust God. And God opened his eyes and he saw angels, uh, chariots of fire and horses of fire surrounding him. Now he gets it. Now he believes. You trust God if you're Sarah and you're 90 years old and God says you're going to have a baby. Next year, you're going to have a baby. You trust God. Amen. Again, now God may not answer your prayer the way you want it answered, but that's okay. He's always so good to us. Uh, turn to, um, oh, let's see here. Where am I going here next? Turn to uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. He gives a second witness here. <clears throat> Oh, I like this. Verse 24. We are saved by hope. Saved by hope. What is hope? It's the knowing that what God said he'll do, he'll do. And if you read it in the Bible, it's true. Doesn't matter who disagrees with it. It doesn't matter who says there are mistakes in it. Doesn't matter if, if Bill Nye, the science guy, comes to your house personally with evidence to show you that the earth is a billion years old. You don't believe it. You don't believe it. We are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? It's, in other words, you sit down uh, like we do Sunday afternoon. We go downstairs there's all the food there. We dish out the food and sit down. We're going to pray the prayer of grace over the food. We don't pray and hope that God's going to feed us. Why? It's right there. It doesn't take any belief whatsoever to believe that God is going to feed you because you're sitting there with a plate of food right in front of you. Of course you're going to eat. It's, that's no big deal. But praying for things that be not as though they, let's see, how does that go? Pray for things that be not so they can be. 
You pray things that don't exist. You pray like what Abraham prayed. Abraham prayed all the way to Mount Moriah. God, resurrect my son. God, resurrect my son. God, resurrect my son. He gets to Mount Moriah, realizes that God didn't tell him to kill his son. God told him to offer him, and that's exactly what he did. Then he sees the, the uh, ram caught in the thicket. And now, now he knows what God is going to do. Now he knows it. But he believed in hope against hope. And the Bible says he staggered not at the promise of God. What does the word stagger imply? Drunk. Drunk. And there's a whole, whole teaching in the Bible about physical drunkenness and spiritual drunkenness. And spiritual drunks, they can't see nothing. And they can't walk a straight line. And they stagger. And they don't get nothing. They, don't, they, they believe false doctrine. They serve up vomit. All tables are full of vomit. Bible. How would you like to come to our communion service one day? And, and uh, Brother John and Brother Sterling's vomited all over the table. And they scoop it up and say, here you go. Um, back in Romans 8, 24. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Verse 25. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience Wait for it. We believe in invisible things. God is invisible. Christ is invisible. The Holy Spirit is invisible. Heaven is not visible to us right now. We can't see it but through the pages of the Bible. Um, verse 26. Here's the witness now. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. What are our infirmities? We can't see things. We can't see heaven. We can't see the future. We, we can't see and know these things. So the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. That's the second witness in the Bible that's telling you the same thing. It's telling you that you cannot fathom nor conceive what is the right, perfect thing for God to do. So when it comes to praying for things that you need in your life. You say, God, this is my need. God, I trust you to do what's good and right for me and what honors and brings honor to your kingdom and brings glory to your kingdom. God, will you do those things in my life and leave it up to God to figure out how to do the rest of it. Toddlers do not tell the parents how to put clothes on. Amen. The, the parents are, yeah, no, not, you got that on the wrong foot. Nope, you got it on backwards. Okay, um, and then verse, uh, oh, I like this one. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, those who believe in False tongues use this verse as one of their main things. Oh, oh well, I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm praying like, like Paul said, um, uh, the Spirit is in me, uh, uh, maketh intercession for the saints uh, uh, with things that cannot be uttered. Well, it says they can't be uttered. 
So why is it that you think that you can utter them? I think there are, um, I think there is a, I don't know, a language, I guess, that the Spirit and God the Father in Christ knows that we can't even speak. I'm not, I like to study words and languages and so on, but I'm not a linguist. I don't know any other language. And bless their heart, Mama Michael got so tickled at me this morning. I was trying to get uh, Dave's daughter to say, Buenos Afiway. Okay? And she's still laughing at me. I'm saying it wrong. Uh, huh? All right. But my accent's weird. According to them, my accent's weird. Okay? Um, I could probably learn the Kenyan English accent. It would take me overcoming the weirdness of it. Okay? It, it's a, it's a, a very pronounced... Um, it's, it's easily heard. When I hear somebody, uh, if, I, if I meet somebody that's black and I hear them talking with an accent, I'm going, where are you from? And about half the time I've met people from Kenya that way. Oh, I'm from Kenya. Hey, I thought I heard that in you. But anyway, there are things that the Holy Spirit can say to God that we can't. It's period. We can't say them. So for us to say that, oh, I can say it if I'm in the Spirit, that doesn't match what the verse says. The Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So now who gets the credit for answering the prayer? The Spirit does. God does. We don't. Because we don't know what to pray. We don't know what to ask for. We don't know uh, what we should pray for. So we just say, God, I need help. And God says, yep, you're right. And I'm just the guy to help you. And I am going to help you. So verse 27 then, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, who maketh intercession for the saints? The spirit. Notice that it doesn't say Mary. It doesn't say Joseph. It doesn't say Saint Ig uh, Ignorance de Loyola or Ig Ignatius. I get that wrong every time on purpose. It doesn't say any of their names. There is nothing in here, nothing in the rest of the Bible that says that Mary will make intercession for you. Doesn't belong there. You hear that? Turkana, you hear that, Samburu? I'm telling you people, I'm wanting to set you free, make you free with the truth. Those priests are lying to you. That statue cannot answer your prayer. It cannot hear your prayer. Mary does not save you. Mary does not intercede for you. Only the Spirit does. Christ does. Amen. Well, now, now we're fixing to get it again, probably. 
I wonder what they're going to do next to us. Um, and they'll probably do it. If they figure something out, they'll do it. I guarantee you. Um, that's, another, that's another little war there that, again, it's not political. It doesn't make the, it's not about wealth and gaining wealth. It's all about hatred of me, hatred of our radio stations, hatred of the, the gospel, hate, just pure hatred, okay? Uh, now, uh, let's see here, verse 28. And we know, oh, here, here we go. Um, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good. This is the context that that verse is in. It's in the context of God answers the prayer the way he wants to do it. And just because God did not do exactly what you wanted him to do doesn't mean that God doesn't have your best interest in mind and doesn't mean that God won't do something good. He says it in the context of this. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Whose purpose? God's purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Now I want you to notice that these are past tense. Um, those whom he did foreknow, past tense, he did predestinate, past tense. Then those whom he did predestinate, them he also called, past tense. And whom he called, past tense, them he also justified, past tense. And whom he justified, past tense, them he also glorified. All of them is in the past tense. So has God already justified you? Yes. Has God already glorified you? Yes. You're just, we're just waiting to show up for the, for the event. Okay, the, the glorification is there, the justification is there, the predestination is there, the, um, the justification is there. We're just waiting to show up for the event to take place. And the event will either be us being translated into heaven without dying, or us dying and waking up going, Amen, praise the Lord. This is how I, this is better than I thought it would be, Amen. Well, verse 31, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Nobody, no thing, nothing can be. And I am the recipient of every time some big event happens, like COVID or, I said that, uh-oh, YouTube's going to go, oh, you said the C word, well... Every time some big thing happens, now this war in Israel, uh, there's always fear mongers on the internet that are filling people's minds full of, full of false prophecies, false ideas, false junk, scaring people out of their minds, telling them that it's going to get bad, they're going to turn on America, it's going to kill everybody, and oh, Pastor, what are we going to do? First thing you're going to do is hope they shut off your internet. Get your Bible out, read it, amen. And because God, God will tell you things in there that them clowns will not tell you. If God be for us, who can be against us, amen. 
He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? It is a, when God answers your prayer, it's a gift. It's not a work. Again, I'm going to preach this till the day I die. You are never, ever, ever blessed by works. You're not saved by works. You're not blessed by works. You're not continued by works. Nothing. It's always by faith, belief, trust. I believe what God said. And that's how God's going to bless me. That's how God has blessed me. How he will continue to bless me. We're going to get on the road here in a little bit. And we're going to head toward India. <laughs> Indiana. And I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow night. I don't have a clue. And uh, there's some people out there that have, have helped put this thing together. Have no idea who's going to show up. If God turns on the blessing and a bunch of people show up, praise the Lord. Maybe. They may all gang up on me. Or if nobody shows up, praise the Lord. I trust God. I trust God enough to know that I don't trust me. I trust God enough to know that I can always count on him. I can always depend on him. I can always rely upon him. I can always have hope in what he's going to do. And I promise you that whatever happens tomorrow night, I'll like it because God did it. I'll like it because God did it. Let's stand to our feet.